Dark Art Society podcast covers a variety of important and contemporary issues, including dark art, as well as other kinds of art, literature, film, music, also culture, philosophy, dreams, paranormal experiences, magic, and a whole lot more than that. I'm Mike Carell, director of Chet's Art, I Like to Paint Monsters, and you are listening to the Dark Art Society podcast, hosted by renowned artist Chet Zar. Hello, Mike. Hey, Cheddar. What's up? How are you? Uh, I am kind of really totally burnt out because of the whole Kickstarter experience, which for me ended yesterday. And when they listen to this, it will be have like a half a week ago that it ended. But um, yeah, it was really intense uh, and and fun. And then at the end, when I was going for the the stretch, or I wanted to try to start going for a stretch. Uh, we ended up in a very interesting situation where we had to change the name of our game in five hours and everywhere that is related to that. And I guess we didn't have to, but we did do that. And that's probably a great episode for another Dark Art Society podcast. But today we have the amazing Chris Velasco, right? Aren't you even going to ask how I'm doing? I mean, I'm a, I care how you're I'm doing. a person I've already been here. talking to you for a half an hour. I, I talk to you every time. <laughs> I've got so much going on. I want to tell you all. No, just kidding. Okay, yeah. Chris Velasco. That's all we need to say about Chet. He has <laughs> Chris Velasco is uh, a friend, a collector, a musician, a recording artist. He composes and shit. But really, the, you know, the thing, uh, his music's amazing. But the, the big thing, though, I want to say about Chris Velasco that you may not know if you don't know him is that he probably has the biggest and best collection of dark art in the world other than maybe Guillermo del Toro, I have to say. But he does have the biggest and best collection of my work in the world. So he's uh, here. Well, the- and, and people probably know him and don't even know that they know him because he does scoring for like huge multi-billion dollar video games. That's right. Um, and and so you probably have heard his music and you don't even know right. it, which is and, also pretty fascinating. And TV shows and movies and... Yeah, all kinds of stuff. Here he is. Hi, Chris. Hello, hello. Hey, guys. How are you? Um... And also music for uh, for art shows. That's yeah. true. He he Indeed. did he did he made the amazing soundtrack to Dystopia, and uh, it, it went beyond my expectations. And we we can talk about that later, maybe. But we still, you know, God, that was so long ago. And but we talked about doing putting out some kind of um, of like album, you know, yeah. art art music collaboration thing absolutely so yeah yeah we figure that out we're definitely going to do that i just uh you know we got to get some money together and figure out how to do it but it's going to be I cool sm- i smell a kickstarter <laughs> i am <laughs> oh god to- don't even say yeah. that <laughs> we're up to our ears and kickstarters i can't do anything until i get my book done. done yeah the, dist- gotta, gotta- the i've got the everything on the, the 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 painting show dystopia has been shipped out except like a few of the resin casts and all the books because the book isn't done yet. And then the first one, we have almost everything shipped except the big items and books as well. So, but I, I, I'm like, my hands are tied for any major projects and related to Kickstarter uh, until I get that done. So I'm de- that's my main goal, that and surviving. But anyway, yeah, we're definitely going to do that. I don't even think it'd be that expensive to produce really. You know, it's just the CDs getting made. Yeah, I... I think it, it actually might be cool. Um, I think we talked about this a little bit too, but maybe do some kind of a, a limited edition uh, vinyl, you know, maybe with That's your true. artwork on yeah. it. Picture disc, that would be great. Super cool idea. Yeah. So anyway. And then, well, 
really can't be that expensive. I mean, my buddy Chris Haas just we he just finished his Ragwater Kickstarter and they also got funded. That was the same week as mine. Um, and the cool thing is, is that they only needed what like seven grand to do the whole thing. So yeah, it can't cost that much. Yeah, that was recording and everything. Yeah, I'm sh- you know I I think once the Kickstarter is done, we could easily do a small Kickstarter and raise a few few thousand bucks to put it out if we have to. Yeah, I mean, it could really just be something like a, just like a pre-order of it. So you know how That's many to true. make. Really, That's true. true. Anyway, let's talk about you. All right. So, talk. You know, can you go into a little more detail about what you do for a living? Yeah, I am a composer. I've um, written music for about a hundred video games. Wow. Um, some of the the bigger titles or franchises have been like. God of War, Mass Effect, Borderlands, um, Bloodborne, Overwatch, uh, Company of Heroes. Um, I just did a a game that came out last week called The Long Dark. Um, so yeah, ton. Of, I've been doing this, you know, professionally for about fifteen years, I'd say. Oh, cool. And um, and then last year I. I got my first break uh, into television, so I've got two TV shows. Great. Um, I'm working on the second season right now of one of them. It's called Freakish. Um, so I'm, I think I've got like two episodes left on that, and then I'm wrapped. Um, so do you, that's what I do. Do you think if 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 a client came to you and said, "I want you to make some music for my project." And I want it to sound in the vein of this kind of band or something that is not because I know you play all kinds of different instruments and, you know, you know how to write music. And I mean, like literally write down music (laughs) notes and all those weird little things. (laughs) Um, But could you do you think you could if someone said, like, I want it to sound like uh, a dead Kennedy's vibe? Would you be able to do that kind of music, do you think? Or or do you stick within your wheelhouse? Because I, I thought that was um, the, the, the thing you did for Dystopia, to me, was like really different than what you usually do. And I was kind of impressed that you were able to go so far so outside of, you know, what I normally have hear from you. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of like you, like everybody knows you for painting monsters. But then, like, you know, you next thing you know, you see like an awesome portrait um or like the painting of your dog or something you know Mm -hmm. it's um it's just you know learning like for music like okay well you know listen to something like well what makes that sound like the dead kennedys um and then just kind of figuring it out Mm -hmm. i guess um but no there's there's some things that i enjoy more and and i'm definitely more of like an orchestral guy, right? But, you know, I started out actually, um, like way before I got into composing. I uh, I played guitar in a in a death metal band, right? Um, uh, yes, so, <laughs> yes. I want to hear more about that right and now. I used to listen to the Dead Kennedys, you know. Nice. When I was a kid, when I was a little punk kid skater. Do you uh, have pictures of yourself when you were in the in the death metal band? Yeah, I do have. Oh, God, do I you have long hair? So bad. Do you have long hair? I would yeah, never. I, look, I would I look never like show Chet Zar. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta see it. I just love how anybody with like long brown hair and a and a goatee or a beard, like like all those, they just kind of look alike. Like so, like I when, know, Lee, when that... Lee Chamel or, or like had his 
had his beard and you know everybody be like man are you guys brothers yeah same with gabe leonard it's like this is what happens when you don't shave or cut your hair it's not like some look i'm going for that anyway uh so um oh you know how long did it take you i'm just curious before we get into the collecting stuff how long did it take you before you started making what was your break in and how did how long did it take you before you started making money to support yourself I'm just curious. As, um, especially because of the last episode, because our last episode was all about the struggle, you know, the pitfalls of the art life. And you're living the art life, obviously. So, it, yeah, it would be interesting to know. Uh, well, it was um, it was for sure a struggle and, you know, continues to be a struggle, honestly. Right. Um, you're an independent contractor, so. But, yeah, you know, I'm sure a lot of people look at me and go like, oh, man, that guy totally, he's totally made it. Like, he's living the dream. And. And in a way, like, like, yes, I support myself by, by writing music. So in a way that is living the dream, but it's still, you know, I'm constantly fighting and pitching for, for every project I get. Right. Um, so it's always, you know, I'm working on, you know, right now I'm working on my show and, and I've got two games I'm working on, but in the back of my head, I'm like, yeah, but what, what's after that? Like, uh Oh, what am I going to do next year? Right. Um, so it's always, you know, half my day is feels like you know, looking for work. Yeah. Same here. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, so I, so I studied music at, at UCLA and, and, uh, graduated. And then it was, you know, it's like this, like I was, a, you know, like a, some fostered animal that then like, wasn't, wasn't ready for the outside world, you know, and they're, and they threw me into the forest and they're like, go fend for yourself, little buddy. And <laughs> it's like, well, how do you, how do you actually make music? I mean, how do you make money writing music? Yeah, um, I got this degree, but how do I make money? With it? <laughs> yeah. You, you don't just, you know, walk in and, uh, and apply to like, to be the, you know, the composer at the mall. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was, uh, it took me seven years actually from the time I graduated to landing my first gig. Wow. Um, That's about as long as it, what what did you do in the interim? I'm sorry. So I had just a million different jobs. I mean, I, I roofed houses. I, I've worked. Um, I, Oh God. One of the worst jobs was, um, I would, there was this like summer camp for kids and, and I, and I got hired along with some other guys to go like clean out the wells, <laughs> but it was the well cleaner, that, like not, not like, you know, it's not anything like bathroom related, but just these <laughs> wells that were, I guess they got drinking water from it maybe. But, um, but yeah, I, I was actually like literally like lowered down into a well. Wow. To- <laughs> that sounds cool to me. <laughs> At least to do once. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it's not as cool as it sounds. <laughs> um, Clean out the I dead rats like, and shit. I worked at a, there used to be these, um, music stores called Sam Goody. Oh yeah. You know, that was, Sam so Goody. I, I worked at Sam Goody for a while. I, wow. I did like every job at a restaurant. I was a, a waiter and a bartender and a dish, dishwasher and a, um, bus boy. And I worked at a women's clothing store for one day and then I quit. <laughs> Um, yes. <laughs> and I was the guy that was like in the back room where these trucks would come in like full of boxes of, of women's clothing 
and you had to, and they're all wrapped in plastic. And so I had to open these boxes, take the clothes out of the plastic, uh, put them on hangers, and then put them in this um, uh, this machine that would um, uh, this like humidifier thing that would like that would like release all the wrinkles out of them. And so it was like mm. crazy hot down there, <laughs> and and I was, uh, yeah, I don't know the. The, ma- the manager was a just a total bitch and she was just telling me like you're not going fast enough and like dude i am going as fast as i can man it is hot down here <laughs> and, <laughs> and she was just on my case like all day and after that i was like you know what f this i'm out <laughs> um were you writing music the- in your head the whole time you're just like oh god mantra the music out this is killing me <laughs> um not no not really but uh, you know, then I would come home and and then you know try to write music um, and try to look for jobs and and so the very very last uh, like you know real job that I had was was one of the worst really. It was I was a telemarketer. Oh, that's rough, man. <laughs> rejection, and, constant rejection. Yeah, it was perfect for you know for a career in art. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Um, really, really <laughs> toughens up the skin. <laughs> see Chris, see check. Chris calls Chris calls them real jobs too. Remember when you yeah, were on the right. You guys all busted my jobs because I said real job, and they were you guys. Oh come on, what is a real job? Easy, he says it too. See, those are real jobs. What we do now is not real job. <laughs> but I I air quoted it, which they won't be able to see. That's yeah. <laughs> word word. So I, that that it's funny because that took me about seven years before I was able to quit my my day job. Yeah. But you yeah. were already working in art though, like sculpting and doing, um, you know, all the movie stuff. Yeah. But that was the thing I was trying to get out of to do the fine art. So right. I, I was doing that in the day and painting at night, but I, but just, it took me, I think about seven years before I was able to go full time with it. And you said seven yeah. years for years. I thought that was. Yeah. And then I, so that, um, the, that last job I had the telemarketing. So I finally got an opportunity to, to pitch on a game, which was Battlestar Galactica. And, and this is really doesn't happen. So I must've heard about it super, super late in the process because they needed like my pitch that day, like by five o'clock. And normally you would have, you know, minimum of a week to put, to write something for a, for a demo. And, but I had like an afternoon. Um, So I called up, I called up work and I was like, guys, I really need today off. Um, they knew I was a composer and I'm like, I've got this opportunity to pitch on something, but I've, I've got to work on it all day. And they said, no, Chris, we need you. And <laughs> like, guys, I'm literally your worst employee. <laughs> like I never make a sale. Cause I just wouldn't care. I'd be like, Hey, do you want this? Like, no. I was like, all right then. Have a good day. <laughs> Um, so they said, no, you have to come in. And I was like, well, then I quit. Um, Ah, so, so yeah, I quit my, my job having no backup plan. Um, and then I, and I stayed home and I worked on my, my Battlestar Galactica demo all day and I turned it in at like four 30 and, and I got an email back like instantly. They're like, oh man. Uh, so sorry, we didn't even know we were expecting a, a pitch from you, um, but we already selected somebody. Aww. And I'm like, but 
I was told I had till five, you know, what the hell? And like, yeah, well, we thought we had everything and we, and this one demo stood out. And so we, we went with this guy and, and, you know, I was like, oh my God, this is the final straw. So I, I was actually like making plans after that to just, I decided I'm giving up like seven years is long enough to struggle. Uh It's not going to happen. It'll just be, you know, composing will be my hobby. And I was going to go back to school uh, to culinary school and become a, a chef. Uh, hmm. And and then the very next day, uh, these guys called me and like, you know, we listened to your pitch and like, obviously, like you put a lot of time in it and we, we really love it and the passion is there. And so we're going to give you like this one track to write in the game. Oh, and oh, cool. Um, and <clears throat> and so that like that changed my life. So I I put everything I had into that one track and and they loved it and they gave me another one and then another one and another one and then they wound up actually firing the guy that they originally hired. Wow. Um and then they they just let me do do the whole game. <laughs> um cool. then, Yeah, that's a great story. Yeah, and then from there, you know, I just um it just took off. Awesome. I'll bet so, that I'll bet that was a serious dark night of the soul there between when they told you no and the next morning when they told you yes. Yeah. <laughs> but that was yeah. one, of the, one of the roughest nights you've experienced. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that's amazing. Man. If, um I would have yeah, I would have definitely tied one on had I had the money to, you know, buy beer at the time. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, now might be a good time to play some of Chris's music. Oh, so yeah, we're right. going we're going to uh play a little sample of his music so you can get an idea of what he does so here goes Okay, that was amazing. <laughs> just kidding. No, I mean, it, well, I'm sure it was amazing. But the thing is, is we didn't really uh, play the music. We just put a space in it, edit. But I'm sure it's going to be amazing. It is. Well, and here's the thing I got to say because I didn't amazing. get a chance to earlier when you guys talked about dystopias. Like, I went to dystopia and had that the dystopia experience, which was incredible. And seriously, that music, the music that he put together, that he played there, like create it. 
this is going to sound super hokey and cheesy, but I'm going to say it anyway because I don't care. It's like the music opened a portal to dystopia. Seriously. It was like there was – that was the most disturbing – one of the most disturbing experiences I've had in my whole life, that show. And not in a bad way, in all the right ways. you know. But everyone else was super unsettled and disturbed. We talked about it on the dystopia episode. Like you looked around and like people were unnerved, like yeah. just consistently throughout. Even the people that were enjoying it and they all had this real awkward like – uh, energy. It just had this, like, it was great. It was so perfect. It was so amazing. And so I just have to say that even though we didn't just listen to the music, knowing what I know about Chris and his music, you guys will have enjoyed that. I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. It was, it was that, that music to dystopia was kind of like the final, the final bit of atmosphere that it needed to actually become a real experience in a way, you know what I mean? To really be immersed yeah, well, in this I mean, feeling, you, would, you know, that whole show was just, you know, probably the coolest art show I've ever been to in my life. Oh, thanks. And, you know, because on top of, you know, obviously on top of all the amazing art that you created, then to, you know, hire Lee and, and his crew and, you know, transform Copro Gallery into dystopia. Um, that was just, that was amazing. So, and yeah, that- it was, and I, and I really wanted to write some kind of a soundscape for it. And I remember, you know, texting you, chat because we had talked about it and i'm i'm like dude it's coming up like <laughs> this shit takes time you know Give me, like, am i gonna do this or what and you're like well i kind of want to do it yeah i was trying to do it I was, and i was all just right, like man, it's well, gonna take too much time <laughs> <laughs> i used to do all kinds of stuff like that on my four track you know way back in the 80s i, I was totally into that whole aside from the band so you know that's it's fun i mean i love doing that sort of thing and i was really hoping i could do it but then it was like, there's a point, you know, in any project, there's a point where you realize I'm not going to be able to do this. And yeah, yeah. that's when I finally was like, can you please come in and save me? Because I'm not going to be able to do it. <laughs> and, uh, and it was way better than what I could have come up with. So it actually, I, I probably should have let it go earlier, earlier on. But, uh, yeah, it was great. But anyway, let's let's talk about you as a collector, because your collection is off the hook. Incredible. Phenomenal, it, yeah. could, it could be a museum. Yeah, it's um, it's really become a sickness. Um, you just <laughs> my kind of sickness. Yeah, it's um, so I've always loved art my whole life, even as a kid, and specifically art with monsters in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of my my like fondest kind of early childhood memories are are going through bookstores. You know, if you can. If you remember when there were actually bookstores that mm-hmm. you could go in and spend an afternoon. I used to love bookstores. Uh, oh man, me too. But so there would, um, I'd find like the uh, like the Frazetta books. Yeah, and I'd be I'd be looking at that stuff, and and you know you'd have to do it on the on the sly because you know there's there's boobs in it, so you right. know. But but it's <laughs> so, like the employees would come by and like. Whoa! You shouldn't be you shouldn't be back here, and uh, or my parents would be like, "What are you looking at?" Like, "Oh my God, put that down." <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, I'm, I was just a little kid, so I wasn't in it for the for the you know the naked women that right. that he was paying. It was like, "Oh my God, look at that awesome monster!" Yeah, same here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I've just always had this love of of, of dark art, and um. You know, and, and then I would, when I moved out on my own and I had apartments, like I would have, you know, just like the, you'd go like to one of those poster stores and, 
and I'd get like, um, like Dali prints mm-hmm. and, um, and then you put them in, um, you know, then you, you like put it in like some, like, like cheap black metal frame yeah. or something. <laughs> plastic frame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but so I had like the Dali stuff, uh, all over. And then, um, I don't remember exactly. I mean, I remember the first piece, original piece that I ever bought, but I'm not sure what led me down the path of, of like actually collecting original art. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like one of my, my favorite little pastimes became like just going online and, and, and finding, finding new artists, uh, that resonated with me. And, and one of the first ones I, I discovered was Richard Kirk. Oh yeah. And, um, and so he had, a just had like a solo show at, um, Oh, actually, I think I heard you got you and Strict Nine as an Irwin talking about it. yeah, Strict Nine. Mm. So I don't know. Sounds like there's some drama with with uh, Strict Nine. I don't. I was not privy to any of that. But um, but yeah, I I saw his show at, at Strict Nine just online, and and I I just realized like oh my god, these two pieces that that I love, um, you can you can own it. Like it just, it just suddenly clicked in my head. Like, Oh my God, I don't, I don't have to get like a reproduction. Like, like this right here, I can email them and say, I want to buy that. Um, and this, you know, and they were, um, you know, it was in the like Euro to dollar as well. And, uh, so it was already like more expensive than, than it already was. And, and, you know, never having bought an original piece before, I think, you know, one of the pieces, it was like, 1500 euros or something and i was just like oh my god like do i even dare pull the trigger on something like that right uh because when you haven't when you haven't purchased original art before it is it's a big investment and for something that you know isn't strictly like necessary right yeah um luxury item. and so yeah for sure uh but yeah, I, I don't know. I just I was so moved by it, and and there were two pieces, and I couldn't decide between them. And then uh, my my wife Erin, this was also the first time that she goaded me into into uh, overextending myself on on art, and uh, uh, and she's like, "We'll just get them both." Like, uh, like will society will allow such a thing. <laughs> I can get two paint two drawings. It was yeah, it was so bananas it felt but i was just like okay let's do it and it just man it was it was like this sort of i don't know my first like leap of faith like the third indiana jones you know when when he crosses that invisible bridge and just like (laughs) puts his foot down like i felt like that was like me like walking over this this like art chasm and and uh i I don't know why oh that's (laughs) so good um But like I, I landed, you know, it was okay. And, and then the, the pieces arrived and I just had them down on my floor in the studio. And I, I just spent like an hour or two hours just, just staring at these things on the floor. Like, Oh my God, this is the only one in the world right. and I have it. And it's right here. I can't believe it. Like it just felt so special. So there's a real thrill there when you buy the piece and get the piece and own the piece. Yeah. And I feel like there's a big responsibility too, because you are the 
you know, for the rest of your life, you're the caretaker of this original piece of art. And, you know, it's my responsibility now to like give it a, you know, a safe and loving environment. Right. Right. Um, how did but, you, how did you, uh, how did you start collecting? I'm going to be narcissistic here. How'd you start collecting my artwork? I mean, you have such a, you have the biggest collection, so it's justified about talking about. You have my best pieces. Um, Guillermo was, was the man when it came to Guillermo del Toro was the guy who had my best pieces until you got into the picture. And now you have more great pieces than he does. I I know. See, he blinked. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You can't blink in the art game, man. (laughs) Well, it's so funny because there's, I guess just like in, in everything in life, um, even, even in collecting art of all things, it's competitive uh, because uh. these are, you know, these are unique pieces. Each one is its own individual thing that will never exist again, except that that one. I mean, prints, you know, I don't those don't count for me. Right. Um, yeah. A lot of people that collect originals feel the same way. Once they once they go to originals, they just can't go back to prints. Prints yeah. are kind of like the gateway yeah, drug. Definitely. Prints and studies. <clears throat> Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, you've got a, when I know there's like a, a show coming out with people with artists in it that I really respect or, or that I collect or want to collect or whatever. Um, I, I also know now that there are a few other people, Guillermo included that, um, that, you know, have their finger on the trigger too. And, and, um, and you gotta be fast sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean the so I'll go back to how I started collecting you, but but the one the like one of my my favorite memories of collecting your stuff is uh, is the ego death painting, right? And, right. And so you had um, so I was at Comic Con, and and Aaron and I were just like getting like a super like late night dinner at the only place that was open. It was like a uh, like a restaurant in this hotel we were staying at. And, um, and I, I like had my phone and I was just looking at some stuff and, and I saw your, like your Facebook post that you had the sketch of, of ego death. And it was just a, a little pencil, like, like, Oh, here's an idea that I've got for, for this painting. And you kind of threw it up there. And, and I just, I just knew like from this, from this little simple sketch, it's like, Oh my God, this is going to be like, his best piece ever. Like I have to get this. I didn't even just, know it at the time. <laughs> and, yeah. And I, I don't know. There, it just like spoke to me and, um, it's like, I, like, I have to have this, like, it's, it's not, um, there's just no question. Like, I don't know. I just felt at the time I'm like, my, my life will be poorer for not having this you know, in my <laughs> studio. Um, and it was kind of late. It was like, it was like midnight and, um, you know, knowing you better now, I'd know like, oh yeah, you're probably awake. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm tell I was freaking out. I'm like, Aaron, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta get this right now. And, and I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call him. And she's like, what are you crazy? It's midnight. Don't <laughs> like, don't bother him. And I'm like, ah, and I'm like, like literally like probably like rocking back and forth in the, in the seat. <laughs> and the rest of I'm like, no, Guillermo's gonna get it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then I think I texted you and 
but I was just like, dude, I, I know you haven't even started. There's not even a, a study of it yet. It's just a sketch, but, but like, this is my piece. Like, do not sell this piece. Like I want it hundred <laughs> percent. I'll give you money right now. Just don't do not uh, let this leave. <laughs> that doesn't happen very often too. So that's pretty amazing. So you had you, you had you didn't fuck it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there was no pressure there or anything to paint a good painting. So uh, you had other pieces before that though. That's that's yeah. So you, you'd it, been collecting so, already. Um, I th- honestly think the third piece uh, that I ever bought. So the first two were those Richard Kirks, and then I discovered you shortly after that, and probably do Strychnine. Um, connected with no well i don't i don't remember it was just one of these like you know down the rabbit hole things of like finding an artist you like and then mm-hmm. and then maybe you're doing like an, an image search on google or something and then you know it always be like some other random art that shows up right um you know that's that's not the artist you were looking for and then i'd go like oh what's that and then like wow look at this artist and then do that and that just kind of leads you into other guys and mm-hmm. so something led me uh, to, to your stuff. And, and yeah, I just instantly loved it. But, um, yeah, there was this kind of, um, it seemed like, especially because they're oil paintings, um, it just felt like, whoa, that's a step up, you know, from, from a drawing. Right. Um, and, uh, and I don't remember how I found out like what, it must have been like a gallery or something, but I, I saw like what your pieces were going for. And, um, and it was, it was intimidating. Cause I was still like, not really in collector mode yet. Yeah. You weren't um, really, you just had two, two drawings and yeah, some, so and, any, some prints and you know, and I was already like, like kind of freaking out over like 1500 bucks. Right. And I mean, which is still, you know, like, I mean, shit, I, I, I could always use an extra fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah, um, who couldn't? So it is still, you know, it's still a lot of money to to plunk down for for something. Uh, but you know, your stuff was, you know, in the I don't even remember, but you know, it was more than fifteen hundred dollars, and and I was just like, oh man, one day, like one day, I will own a Chet Czar, and that became like <laughs> my new like art goal. Is like I'm gonna have a Chet Czar, and then. Back then, you didn't really do too many studies for sale, right, right? And and so I would always go to your web store, and I would check it like I don't know once a week or something, just to see if you happen to put up a new study. Mm. And uh, and then I saw one, and I just like pounced on it, and um, and it showed up, and then. Um, you know, so I've got this little three by five or whatever study. Five by, and, five by seven. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Probably that. Yep. Um, and you know, it didn't, it wasn't like my, my ultimate dream of like owning a Chet Czar because, you know, it was a study, but I was still like, I just remember like walking and you like put it in some, like some little frame that like the old school frames too, like they have a little thing on the back, you know, that you uh-huh. could, like, Prop it up like, yeah. a, like, a, like Michael's a family picture. Aaron Brothers frame. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it was in that, and I had it like propped up on my desk, and and then I remember like carrying it upstairs, you know, for it to Aaron. I'm like, 
like a little can baby. Believe, like, can you believe that we have a Chet Sar? Like, <laughs> like how amazing is life? <laughs> and it, it was just, yeah, man, it was just like my prized possession. And, and then, um, and it was so funny cause I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, um, uh, like a shy, shy person normally. And mm. it takes me a while to, you know, to kind of open up and, and, um, and so I, I met you at some, uh, I met you at Copro, I think. And, and I felt like I had this kinship with you because I had one of your pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I was just, you know, I'm just like, I am, <laughs> I'm Chris. I have one of your studies, you know, and, <laughs> um, <laughs> But I was thinking, like, man, I feel like we should be friends, but it's too. Uh, <laughs> I was a little like too nervous. Um, yeah, I, I, I remember then, you being very quiet. I think when we met, like you didn't say a whole lot. I think. Yeah, or or you know what? Maybe that. Maybe I'm confusing things a little bit because maybe I just like emailed you and and I, I don't remember exactly, but because I think the first time I met you was at was at a Copro show mm-hmm. that you were having a, I guess you were having a solo show at. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And then that's the one where I really pulled the trigger and I got uh, dead Pope. Oh yeah. You have the dead Pope. Um, and then Aaron really fell in love with, with mourner too. Oh yeah. Um, and, and I did too, but you know, that was like, you know, that's like a big piece. Right. And I'm like, you know, Let's not get crazy. Let's just uh, <laughs> like like I love the dead pope and and uh, but you know she she uh, she's an instigator. Oh, I got, and, I have to uh, thank her next time I see her. I didn't realize she was this influential. <laughs> <laughs> no shit, huh? Um, <laughs> There's always a strong woman behind her. <laughs> <laughs> well, she just knows like how much I love this stuff, and I've never regretted buying art. I've only regretted not buying art. Mm, interesting. Um, and and so yeah, so we pulled the trigger on on Mourner as well, and then that's when I met you, and I and then I wanted to get the um, the Dead Pope sculpture as well as well because you you um, you customized it so that it matched the painting, right, right, uh, right. because I, I think the I think the ones you sell now like have the cross on the right, head. yeah, yeah. And this one has like a skull and crossbones. Like oh the yeah, painting does. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's kind of like, oh man, well, you got to have the whole set. <laughs> um, so that, that was one of the questions that Chet, you asked Erwin last time when we had a collector on and then we talked about Myron is like that where, you know, certain people that certain collectors have different things they like to do. Like they like to have sets of things, you know, Chris, would you consider yourself the kind of person that you like to set things up? So if there's one thing you're going to want in and another medium reflecting the other original that you have, like a painting and a sculpture, would there be like a third to that, a third art form you would add to that as a set, like an original sketch or do yeah, you care about the sketches? the studies that, that's like my myron walters is like he wants the sketch he wants the study and he wants the yeah. painting and he wants to put them all together it's like his yeah you know what i mean um i don't feel like i need to have that um uh, but if there's a sculpt and a painting like like that's cool but there's a two fe- two bit two major kind of major pieces that are yeah you know, like i just at this point because the the collecting's really kind of gotten a little bit crazy um, I just don't have room. So 
I don't need to have the sketch right, or, the, right. or the study. And I also kind of feel like, hey, I I have the absolute best version of this right. piece. Like, I don't need to be like so greedy that I that I take everything <laughs> from that from that one particular thing. Like, let somebody else have right. the sketch. Let someone have the study. That's cool. Um, and because yeah, that that's cool. you know, I remember the time when all I could afford was a was a study or a sketch. And if some collector, you know, like had everything, I'd be like, come on, man, let's, you know, <laughs> let some of us get something. <laughs> Leave something for the little dog. Leave a scrap or something. So, so what I'm curious about is how many, do you know how many paintings you have, you own? And then who are, what are some of the names of people you collect? Cause you've got some of the, you've got the best dark art people. I think your collection. Um, I've, we for sure have uh, over a hundred paintings. Wow, and um, all great ones too. It's not like you know you've got a lot of central pieces, you know, really classic representations of the artist you collect. Not like weird yeah. obscure ones, you know. Yeah, and um, you know, I I always um, when I buy something, it's not. It's not. It's usually it's not like oh, I just got to have something by this guy. Like right. I don't care if it's crappy. Right. You, know, um, you you definitely like want the piece that speaks to you. Yeah, you've always you've like, always I been like to, that. I have to love it. Yep. Um, and I I just think to myself like okay, if I don't pull the trigger on this, and someone else does, like am I going to be happy for them that they have it, or or is am I going to toss and turn it? Because, <laughs> Because I don't have that piece. <laughs> well, that's that's a, the weird thing as an artist is that every or most collectors, I think, are like that. At least the ones I have encountered, and I think it's a dark art thing, really. Because I, I, because we're not blue chip or anything, we're not in that level of people that just collect to invest and place to launder their money and all that sort of thing. It's like people that really love the art are buying it. It's more people that are kind of regular people, you know, not like the billionaires of the world are collecting our art but um right for me it's not an investment right yeah exactly you've uh, you all, you've all always told me that like you'll never sell them you know you'll never sell your pieces because i'm always like trying to you know pitch things hey it's a good investment just try and make people buy my stuff and you're like i'll never <laughs> i'm never gonna sell it anyway but um yeah. oh wait i had a really good point uh <laughs> shit Roll the tape back. Yeah. Um, let me think. Uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. That's what she said. Um, uh, we should maybe insert some music here and watch that. There's a creative mind at work right there. Um, well, I'm no. just sitting here looking at Chris with black magic on the wall behind him, just going, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, seriously, <laughs> that's a piece to own. You yeah. Know? And I know because I, I wrote Chet's Field Guide, so um, I know all about how integral uh, yeah. black magic is. Yeah. Entire thing. So yeah, looking at, looking at Chris and off to his right from my angle, I see Black Magic there, and I'm like, uh-huh. that thing is going to be worth <laughs> a lot of money so if if, money. if things go the way <laughs> I hope them to go with the field guide and what could come of that. That thing is going to be that thing's going to be really valuable. But anyway, I forgot what I was going to say. So, but I but I'm curious. Um, oh, I know what I was going to say. As an artist, that's weird. That that's a weird thing that you know, every collector is different and they have to find the piece that speaks to them. 
And as an artist, you never know what that piece is going to be. So you can never, I think it's a mistake to really be like, okay, I want to make a painting that all the collectors are going to want to buy because you never, everybody's different. You know, sometimes everybody agrees a painting is great, but then sometimes someone, a collector will be like, I just have to have this one. And it doesn't get a lot of love by everybody else. It's just kind of like, oh, that's cool. But they don't totally love it. So, you know, as a, as an artist, you just got to paint what you love and hope that other people love it too. That's really the only way to do it. Yeah, for sure. You know, everybody's taste is different. So, and you can't anticipate it because it's, it it hits people on this weird cosmic level or weird emotional PT cruiser. Like who would ever think anybody would like that? (laughs) (laughs) But a lot of people did. Yeah, I know. It's true. It's true. So how about, so, okay. Can you drop some names? Cause I want to, I'd like to impress everybody with your, uh, oh okay um (laughs) name dropping well so so yeah so you of course let me i'm trying to think how many of your pieces i have i'm gonna just kind of look around because i was i was actually thinking to myself about that i was like well i know you have triclops and i know you have plague doctor and i know you have the primaries and i know you have ego death and black magic already yeah black magic you already listed uh dead pope Pope, mourner two um yeah one two Oh, uh, Blue Ghost. Oh, you uh, got Blue, Blue Ghost. Three, three. I love that painting. Four, five, six, seven, eight. I might just have eight. Only eight. <laughs> Only eight of my best paintings. <laughs> a mere eight. Also, let me paint a picture for people because they see this shit on telephones. When he says only eight, Mourner too. I, I went to Chris's house. Chris is, you know, his collections in the documentary and Chet's are I like to paint monsters. And I wish I could have got more in, but I got, I, I stood on the stairs below Mourner too and was just like dumbfounded. Like I couldn't even take a shot. I just had to stand there and be like, fuck me. That thing's as tall as I am almost like it's, it's huge. Yeah. It's, it's that's this a nice monstrous big painting or even plague doctor. And you know, some of these paintings are fucking huge. So when he says eight, we're talking like 36 yeah. by 24 or larger kind of painting. <laughs> yep. Yep. So let's go on with um, your name dropping. dropping yeah, time. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> um, so a lot of Richard Kirk's, right. um, I've got uh, a handful of Chris Mars. Oh, nice. Um, let's see. Looking around. Clive. Uh, Clive? Dar- Clive Barker. I, yeah. Um, I've got Clive's only um, large oil painting of, of Pinhead. Motherfucker. Wow. That's um, pretty amazing. That's probably the biggest piece that I've got. It's, it's, it's huge. It's like... Um, yeah, I think if if I were standing next to it, it's probably taller than I am. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Damn. Oh, and you were gonna uh, say I'm sorry, Dar- Darius. Oh, Darius Zawadzki, who's amazing. Um, absolutely one of my my favorite living artists too. He's just that guy's so yeah, good. Yeah, it I've, kills me whenever I see his stuff. It's like, oh, I want to go paint. Fuck you, I want to go paint. Six of six <laughs> of his. Um, and I feel like I've got some of his best ones. Yeah, you do. Definitely. Um, I've got, let's see, Minton, um, Billy Norby, Billy Norby. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, Dan Quintana. Oh yeah. Dan Quintana. Um, I've got a couple of Wayne Barlow's. Oh yes. Right. 
Those were the ones that wowed me when I was at your place. Was those Barlows, man? Fuck. I know it's it, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, and then uh, you know sculptures too. So I've got a, a bunch of uh, Matt Levin mm-hmm. and uh, Simon Simon Lee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are great. Yeah, you're actually the one that turned me on to Simon. Uh, it was at Monster Palooza, and and I think you were. Oh, I forgot Cthulhu, so I have eight. I mean, nine of yours. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Cthulhu. How could we forget? (laughs) (laughs) Another one of my best paintings. Yeah. How could we forget it? Yeah, big one. That's what she said. I'm like your muse. (laughs) You are. You are my muse. And you're amusing. I was blown away by Plague Doctor because I had seen all the pictures of it, and then I don't remember what I was out at your house for. I was out at your house for some one of these random crazy trips, and I saw it sitting on the table, and I was just like, it just stopped me in my tracks. I was just standing there. Yeah, looking at it and like, that and that was a. Uh... I was just like, you can't. Nothing can prepare you. Like you look at it on your. I have a big computer. I'm sitting, you know, I'm looking at it like, oh yeah, that's pretty cool. But no, 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 you just don't understand until you've actually stood in front of it. There, you know, the prowess that it has over you as your, as the spectators. Like yeah. I just stopped me and I'm standing there staring at it like slack jaw, oh, you know, thanks. and I, it was incredible. I was blown. And then, of course, I was like envious immediately. Like, oh, man, <laughs> motherfuckers gonna get this. <laughs> and that was his yeah, idea. So I look upon my only Chet Zar painting right here, which is a five by seven <laughs> <laughs> in a custom frame from the Oddfellow show. That's right. <laughs> Deadlights. But yeah, uh, that was Chris's idea, too. For me to do a plague doctor, I don't think I would have done a pl- a plague doctor on my own because I thought about it for years. People have told me you got to do a plague doctor, and I was always like, "Well, you know, black magic is kind of like my plague doctor in a way. It's so it's already the plague doctor and black magic are similar, so I probably didn't mm. feel a need to do a, a pl- traditional plague doctor." And then you hit me up, and I'm like, "Okay, I'm gonna I'll, I'll give it a shot," and, and it turned out to be you know. Again, one of the one of my I think one of my best paintings, and uh, paintings. and uh, it was really really cool to research the the whole thing and figure yeah, out what that stick he's holding, sticks they're holding uh, on, you know what the beak is for. History. Yeah. <clears throat> Well, that's kind of what's interesting here, though, is that relationship between because, you know, one, one of the reasons we do the Dark Art Society, we have collectors on here as well as artistic professionals is to have that conversation, which is like each individual is an individual and each collector has individual taste, not only in what they want out of the art, but what they want out of the artist. You know, Erwin talked about the philanthropic aspects of it. You know, you're you're talking about the collaborative aspects of it mm-hmm. where you guys are actually going back and forth and he's you know you're giving him this idea and he's like oh fuck it i'll go for it and then it ends up being this amazing painting and he goes down this journey he wouldn't have gone down and so right. there's this mm. give and take that's going on there and that's again part of this relationship that we're talking about yeah. because part of the dark art society is empowering artists out there to find and develop these kinds of relationships in whatever variety they exist for themselves yeah right i've and i've always said the collector artist relationship or fan artist relationship is a um like a symbiotic kind of thing like you know you you should be you you know not not i'm really not blowing smoke up your ass i'm just it's like you as a collector have you know you inspired a painting that's going to be probably considered what maybe one of my classic paintings or something and so you were involved in the process in that way which kind of brings you into you know the the art history yeah the, the the history of the art and that's what it's like for um people doing commit working with artists on commissions it's like you kind of get to be part of the whole thing you know plus you're paying the people and allowing them to keep creating their art which is you know 
yeah one well, of the most you know, important, honest, important things you can sorry, do Jeff. really no yeah yeah totally and i think that again as we've talked about with like the kickstarter platform though similar things like that crowdfunding is another way for people to band together to do what you know like chris is able to do it took chris years and years and years to get to a place where he could actually as he described be in a position to do this kind of stuff but people together can help artists do this kind of stuff you know and so mm-hmm. when people band together and you you know have things available to you now as an entrepreneur you have this accessibility to finances you then not only are creating something you know like the game i made but at the same time you have these people involved in it and they helped you do it and they actually gave you feedback and they helped mm-hmm. you make decisions along the way and so they are part and parcel with something much greater than themselves you know and i just think that's a really amazing and powerful thing however it manifests whether that's with a single individual or with a, a conglomerate of individuals absolutely yeah. and and i mean i feel like um i actually do feel some responsibility as a as a collector as well and not beyond what i what i talked about like you know being the caretaker of 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 this art but um you know i am um very lucky and and fortunate that um that my career put me in a place where, um, you know, while I still may feel like I'm, like I'm struggling, that it still allows me, you know, this sort of, um, you know, ability to, to surround myself with things that I love. And, and Mm -hmm. for me, the art is, is one of my biggest inspirations when I'm, when I'm working on my music and I, I feel a responsibility to, to pay it back you know, mm-hmm, by, mm-hmm. by supporting right. the very artists that I feel like are inspiring me. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is another thing that, uh, <laughs> that my wife does too, where, um, you know, all as, you know, as we all know, a lot of artists can, um, that like the starving artist thing is, that is an, an actual phenomenon, you know? <laughs> uh, <it's, laughs> um, and, you know, I've become, like good friends with a, with a number of, of artists that I collect now. And, and sometimes, you know, I'll hear about one of them and, and, you know, being in a, in a bad place financially or something, or, or I just, you know, I'm hanging out or talking to them and I can just tell like, they seem really down. It's like, Oh, what's wrong. And, and it's like, Oh, nothing, nothing. Just, you know, just, just a typical, like, you know, monthly stress of, you know, am I going to, am I going to be able to, you know, sell something, um, to, you know, fund my life for another month. Right. Um, and you know, in those situations, if I happen to be like on a project that I know where I'm going to be making some money, um, you know, I'll, I'll come home and I'll tell Aaron like, Oh yeah, so-and-so is really down, like having money problems. And, and Aaron's like, well, did you commission something? (laughs) All right, Aaron. No, she's like, well, well, you have to, like, I don't want to have to worry about that guy. Like, like you know, go commission something. I, she texted, she texted me today and told me you're going to be late. So now I have her cell number. So now I go, I can go right to the Ooh, source. Nice. Nice. <laughs> no, that's, that is super cool. And, and it really, you know, I think, I know that when I buy stuff at, or if I promote art for somebody, I feel that it's a privilege, you know, I feel like it's really like, I'm so fortunate that I could do that help someone else in that way you know it's it's mm. you know it's cool to be able to do that it's cool to have the the resources to be able to do that you know and if yeah. I, if okay. i ever get rich i'm gonna buy a shitload of artwork for sure you know well hey man why don't you uh why don't you commission some music 
Yeah, well, <laughs> we're, one, I got to get the book done once the book's done. It's funny because that, that's kind of what I was thinking when I was asking you about, could you do music like Dead Kennedy style? Because I've got this vision for dystopia, the, the soundtrack for dystopia, if it ever becomes a movie or a series. And it's like, no means no. You know, I would have no means no do the music if I could, but they broke up. But it's like there's a certain feel from that music that just gets me and it's like it's black magic in his hearse it's totally this no means no vibe so that i was kind of feeling you out for that so it's gonna happen i just gotta get this Which, book and, done and when you say when you start talking black magic in the hearse i immediately in my mind i i flash to hell city 2014 in the caravan with you <laughs> and i'm in this back of this caravan with no seats in it and chet's in the front he's blasting no means no and he's driving through this tiny little neighborhood with all these speed bumps like super fast around corners and i'm on it was a rental cactus. i'm on psychedelic cactus in the back and chet's like yo you ready for this let's go get some dinner Party's like, you want some no means no? So seriously, I was so my mind, I was so, oh my god, no means no in the hearse. It's just a caravan, and I'm in the back tripping balls. <laughs> but anyway, that, that will um, so happen. That so will let me, uh, one thing I'd love to talk about on the collecting side that's, yeah, um, that's you know, not all, uh, you know, unicorns and rainbows. Um, and, and again, I'm, uh, I'm not naming names or pointing fingers and, um, how late people are with their Kickstarter paintings. And, yeah, and, and don't think I'm, <laughs> and don't think this is, this is directed at you. <laughs> you know, give me shit on my own show. I mean, you know, if the, I'm I'll just, just say if the shoe fits, but. <laughs> I pretty much walk around barefoot all the time. um but that i will say that's one thing that as a as a collector like over the years has like really bugs me and i try to just like shake it off be like you know what just just go with it man it's gonna be it's it's gonna be fine like in the scheme of things who cares right um but these times when when i've like helped people um and you know feel the sense of not obligation necessarily but i do start to feel almost in a way like responsible for for some of these artists like like i want them to to succeed and be happy and and do well and create art and um and so that's you know i it's not always commissioning because like oh my god i i have to fill this tiny little space you're trying you're trying to support them yeah exactly so um so like i have um, actually a number of, of kind of outstanding commissions out there right now. And, and it does definitely bug me when, um, you know, when, when I'm like going out of my way to, or I feel like I'm going out of my way to, um, to try to help somebody out. And, um, and of course, you know, my, my reward is like an incredible piece of art. Um, but when, you know, when it just like, when you're like going on like two, three years and like, and it's not happening, but you see like, well, look, this, this person's like painting or sculpting, like all this other stuff, like, you know, where like, 
you don't have time for me. Like I was good enough to like help you out of a jam, but, but not good enough to like actually get my piece done. Right. Um, yeah, that's kind of a, that's kind of a bummer for me. Yeah. I, it's, I, 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 you know, I don't know. I I totally understand that. On the other hand, I, I do understand the other side of it too, because I know for me, it's, it's, it's like, you don't want to take the money up front and then, not have enough money to have to take another thing and then ha- not have enough to have to take another thing. But sometimes you have to. And then the thing, you know, someone's got, you know, once for their birthday or something, they need it by a certain date or then you have one for the show. And it's like, it's happened to me plenty of times. I, I just, you know, I try and avoid it whenever possible and stay communicative and, and, I think that's the key, though. Super right apologetic, there. Staying, yeah, and, staying involved yeah. with no, and them, letting them like, know what's going on, right? Yeah, and and apologetic, like that's like that's not what I'm I'm looking for, you know. And and I don't want people to feel guilty or or like burdened by this commission. Now it's um, but yeah, communication is is key for sure. Like just just like checking in, tell me what's going right. on, and and um, but no, I've have guys that you know, again, not naming names but guys where i've commissioned something and like two years three years go by and and i check in and and it's like they actually totally forgot they're like oh oh i owe you something (laughs) really that they forgot yeah and that's um, kind of crazy and then i feel bad bring it up i'm like uh, right. You, well, you, you should. Know, you, you I should, gave you this money. Yeah. And I, you and, were supposed to do this piece. And, and my reward like, is oh. I have to bug you about it to get my piece. That's my reward for helping. <laughs> yeah. Out. You know. And then, and then they kind of make <laughs> me feel bad. And I've actually talked talk to other artists, not even necessarily people that that I've personally commissioned, but run into them at shows or or wherever, and they'll be talking about, um, you know, people that have commissioned stuff, and just be like, man, if that guy, you know if I get one more call, you know, about this piece, like I'm going to add on another year. Yeah. Like, right. Make yeah. I like, know. It's, like, I, I've heard people talk like that before. That? The people that, oh, that's like, crazy. yeah, the people that's, that no, it's bug me more. Yeah. I'm just going to take longer. It's like, well, here's the thing. Here's what I would say. Honestly, my reflection to all of that is twofold. First of all, that's shitty and lame. And <laughs> second of all, you know, what I would say if I were, you know, if I were in your shoes, Chris, and for myself, I would be like, okay, well, I just learned a damn good lesson, which is that, you know, if I'm going to be philanthropic, you know, also along with my collecting, which is that, you know, you want to support these people because you've chosen them as people that seem worthy of support, uh, you know, there may be a, a longer vetting process for you next time. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's a certain responsibility that comes back to the individual. It's like, you know, you, you dump money on someone and that's a good way to find out right away whether or not they're going to be yeah. able to hang. True. Uh, you know, and if they can't get their shit together, then clearly they're, you know, not effective in what they're doing. And so do you want to support an ineffective person? You know, and so it's like a good lesson for you probably because it didn't probably cost you too much money. And it really taught you a good lesson in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, just gonna. I, just I don't pay that person anything anymore. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Stop Their art may be cool, maybe, but at the same time, it's like, uh, do you want to support them if that's how they treat you? Fuck you, that. You know, I definitely wouldn't. I just got in a huge battle with my insurance company, and I won, and I won on a two thousand dollar item, and it took three months. But I'm telling you, 
they kept me as a customer because they actually, you know, owned it and actually have done things to change it. And it's the same thing with artistry. It's no different. You know what I mean? You're, you're his client, you're Chet's client. You're this anonymous client. You know what I mean? Like you damn well better be communicating with that person. I mean, how many fucking Kickstarter updates do I do on dystopia for Christ's sake? Yeah. We're late as hell, but at the same time, everybody knows why and they know what we're doing. And I, I'm always willing to answer questions. And so again, it's like that tells you the merit of that individual and whether or not, and, and a relationship that's philanthropic has any merit. Yeah. (laughs) I, I have, uh, one story I heard of a friend who's a collector of mine that uh, hit this one artist up. who's like a real big time artist. And um, he wanted to buy a piece. And the guy was like, well, there's a line that you have to get in line for my commissions. Cause my commission list is so long. And I think it was th- two or three years that he was finally able to be like, okay, I'm, I'm, I can do the commission now, but he charged him more for right. that, you know, because his prices went up and he was like, you quoted wow. me this price. And he's like, well, the prices have gone up since, which just seems kind of unfair to me. If you quote someone a price and then take forever getting their thing and then charge them more, that's kind of, yeah. but, but that, you know, I think that's, well, more- there should be a time limit on the quote. I mean, that's, that's, again, right. that's business sense. We're talking business sense. It's like, for instance, you know, with, uh, the cards for this Mysterian, it's like, they told me a timeline that that quote's valid. And after that timeline's over, it's invalid now. And they, it was very clear that that was the case. You know, right. that's good business. See, and a lot of well, the problem with a lot of these artist people is that they're not business people. Right. They are artists and they're trying to wear the business shoes and the business hat and the business clothes, you know, uh, uh, figuratively speaking, but they're not. And so, and they're learning as they go along. And some people are better at that and have a faster learning curve. And it is a curve, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then there are people that have worked within professional capacities and other avenues of their life and they bring that into this world with them that changes the game as well but that's rare really when you think about right. it right mm-hmm. so do you yeah do you, you know oh go ahead no 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 i was just gonna say go on if there's other oh other well, issues that you have that you wanted to um let's see okay here's here's something where i feel i you know i don't have time or the real interest to do this um <laughs> but <laughs> I wish that, like, I think there's some alternate universe where, where there's a Chris Velasco that that gave up music and just started managing artists. All oh, right, <laughs> because I feel like so many people need to be managed. I, and are like, I, I can't. Like there's, I can't tell you how many times I've thought, oh, if I could just manage this artist, I know I could make this person successful over and over. I've said this, if I wasn't painting, I would manage artists because you know what you do. See, here's what you do is you find a way, you find a way to do it without it being explicitly stated that that's what you're doing. Right. Right. But I mean, it's, 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 there's, cause sometimes you see things, it's like, it's, Oh, it's so easy. If the artist just did this, this one little thing, it's so easy. Or, you know, if they just take this approach, I know it would be, you know, there's so many things yeah. you could do to I, I so I hear you on that for sure. Yeah, and, and as a as a collector, what makes me crazy is just trying to find out if a piece is available or not. And if it is, how much does it cost? Like <laughs> like it's these aren't hard questions, you know. <laughs> um like have a website and um you know have it up to date. Uh, and, I'm bad um, at that. 
Well, yeah, okay. So, you know, <laughs> shoe, shoes and fitting again, but um, <laughs> but I am so shit. easy. I'm I'm so easy to get in contact with that yeah, ev- anyone. I know how to get in touch with you. Right. And I can and I can ask you. Is this available? Is this yes, available? Yes, and yes. and and I I'm sure you would be able to tell me in a yes, in a you know in a in a short time frame. Yeah. But man, I've also so I've um I'll just again like try to find new artists because I feel like I've got about like twenty artists that I kind of collect, mm-hmm. and I'm like, wow, I've got a lot of all their stuff. Like it'd be it would be cool to find somebody new, and. Um, and so I'll do these, these searches again and I'll find people that are, that are new to me and I'll go and like, like Google their name and, and usually put art at the end of it in case they're also like a baseball player right. or something. You know? <laughs> um, and like half of them don't even have websites. Um, and then the ones that do, it's like, you know, it'll be like gallery or whatever and it's it's like super hard to get through um and then and then i just want to know like is this available to buy like i assume that you're an artist that is you know wants to make a living doing this (laughs) like like can you please tell me like what is available and what isn't because my time is also precious and right. I don't need to be chasing something. Right. That <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Oh, no, that, well, no. you know, it's one, honestly, it's marketing 101, which is, in, you know, in the, the uh, immortal words of Joe, my director of finance at the casino, never make it hard for people to give you their money. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, it's so simple. simple. You know, so never simple. Put, never put the ATM by the front door of the casino. You know why? Here's a little trade secret because <laughs> guess what? The closer they are to the door when they get that money, they're going to walk out. If you have it at the back yeah. of the place, they're going to see a slot machine on the way out and they're going <laughs> to fucking stop. Yeah. So I, and I really feel like a lot of artists make it hard for, for me to give them money. Wow. Yeah. And, and I mean, I've like messaged people on Facebook and I'm like, Hey, love your stuff. Um, what do you have that's available? And half of, half of those people won't even reply to me. Hmm. Um, and that then, and then a bunch of them will will say, um, "Oh, go to my go to my website. All my stuff is there." And I go, "Well, yeah, but yeah, hundred percent of that is available. <laughs> no, just tell me what you which one you like, and I'll tell you if it's available." I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah, dude. right. That's like, <laughs> I have a life. <laughs> you know. You know what's crazy about that, dude? Seriously, the craziest thing about that is I'm the guy that's going around that'll like approach people that aren't even asking me, and I'll be like, "Hey, you know, I know that you have an interest in my stuff. I happen to have A, B, C, and D available, and here's pictures of them, and here's the prices, and here's the medium. You know what I mean? So it's like you got these people out there that are hustling, and then you got these people that are getting like mad Google art searches, and they don't have any business sense whatsoever. The irony is. <laughs> Thick, yeah you know? yeah or yeah man it's just or i'll you know or you'll find out what's available and then say great i'm interested in that like like how much is that and then just crickets and i i look <laughs> and then i'll forget about it. like a week will go by and i'll forget and then i'll be on facebook again and i'll i'll see like some artists will be like oh man that stuff is great um and i look and i'm like oh we're already friends cool let me see if i've ever messaged this guy and then and then i see like 
Oh yeah, eight months ago I asked him how much this thing was and he never responded. Right, it's like, so like, simple like, and so dumb. You, you dummy. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know we. I, I'm always harping and we're always harping on here about how important um, good business is in this. If you want to make a living at it, you got to do good, you know your business right, and that is just good business practice. Well, make- it's also good relationship practice. I mean, for Christ's sakes, like you know, if you if you're what you're ta- what we're talking about are relationships. I, I don't care that money is the binding factor, as you, we've talked about before. That is an exchange of energy, right? right? And so it's not about the money; it's a relationship. You know, everything in life is a give and take. It's like it's all transactions. Right now, we are transacting carbon dioxide and oxygen. There's a transaction going on, mm. constantly transactions going on, and these are relationships, very intimate ones with the things around us, like particles going into our lungs, for instance. You know, what else do you put in your body, right? Uh-huh. So at the same time you're talking about that in relation to people and the way in which you're able to maintain these relationships has very much to do with actually approaching those people as you would like to be approached. And these are basic concepts that Christianity certainly and very many other religions have pushed for a long time, which is do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? This is not complex shit. Yeah, There's yeah. just something has gone wrong somewhere here in our societal condition. I, well, yeah. Opinion. I think a lot of, a lot, of especially younger artists um, to just get into it, just think that you know, someone's going to come and just make them rich and <laughs> f- chase them around and throw money at them because they're so great. And it's like, no, you have to bust your ass. You have to make it easy for them. You have to be respectful to them. Y- you know, it's it's just it's you know, it's like you said, it's business one on one. It's very simple stuff. Yeah. And actually, if if artists um, come across as being just total dicks, I, I may I may want to collect their art so bad um i may think it's the best thing i've ever seen but um but speaking about that you know about energy um i don't want i don't want some assholes painting on my wall i don't want because i will walk by it and while i may love that piece i will always think about what a dick that guy is totally (laughs) yeah i know what you mean so true yep very true well, that's um, a good way I'll, to end it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a real upbeat. Up <laughs> Don't be an asshole. So that being said, I've got nine Shetzars for sale. By the way, he has black magic. <laughs> now, do, you, do you have any other um, uh, things you want yeah, to get cool, off? Yeah, let art? me. Cool, I, I have one more, one more art beef. That's cool. Um, that's cool. And um, art beef. What's and that dinner? is uh, so. I started three or four years ago. Um, the uh, the guys at, at Copro Gallery, you know, gave me the opportunity to curate my own show. Um, uh, so, as you guys know, of course, and Chet, you've been in all of them. Um, so, I have found that uh, I always thought a dream of mine would be to own a gallery and curating, like these like four shows cured you of that me, cured <laughs> me of that. Like they are, I mean, it seems like most artists are flat out bananas. And <laughs> they have to be to make this kind of shit. I know, but it's so I'm, I'm thinking about it now because, um, I just talked to Gary and Erica about it and, and, uh, you know, I already hit you up about it, but, I'm going to do Roadside Attractions 3 next May. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
man, there's like just a few things where I'm now like kind of like calling the list of people that I would like to invite because some of them have just been such a royal pain in my ass. That, oh, yeah. Like, man, I just you you guys made it not fun for me. Like, this is not my job. This is like this is my extracurricular activity. Right. This is this is I'm choosing to spend my time doing this because it's fun for me. And when people make it not fun for me, why I mean, would you show why them? Why would you have them be a part of your exactly. show if if it's not fun yeah. for you? So like, oh my god, just like not communicating at all. I mean, I had a couple of artists last time that not only did they never email me back, um, but wound up just flaking uh, oh. and not even not even showing, like just coming yeah. up with that, and and then not even having the courtesy to like, well, tell me about it beforehand or even apologize. Right, you know, just, right. Just like. Like, what am I supposed to think? They're just too good for the show, I guess. Right, yeah. Um, that makes me nuts. And, um, but, so it's weird, and I, I kind of want your perspective on this, Chet. Mm. Um, so there are people whose art maybe um, I just don't like, and but they find out that, that I do these shows. And then I, I've had some people, like, pretty aggressively um, hound me to to show their work and and it's getting to the point where i feel like the only thing that's going to work is just be straight up with them and go look i'm sorry your art's just not for me right i just personally don't like it and i mean that's brutal and i don't think i could say that it's easy to talk about it you know here with, right. with us but <laughs> but um you know i i really i i'm like not a confrontational guy at all so that's i don't think that's a thing i could do but my buttons have been pushed enough that we're I'm, I'm starting to rethink like what I what I will and what won't say, but uh, I mean, how honesty like, is the best policy. Yeah. Well. Okay. So. So, Chet. Though. So, let's. I don't know. I mean, what do you? How do I approach these guys when they're they're coming at me and they're and they're like, "Hey, man, put me in your show. Put me in right. your show. Put me in your show." And you know, it's like, "Hey, you know, I haven't put you in my show for for three years. Like, like, dude." Take yeah right. <laughs> um, I, and, and it's not, and I'm not saying it's it's bad. It's just not my style, and it's not what I want my show to represent. Right, right. Um, so I, like, I, I think that's totally reasonable to say. Personally, I, I think, you know, uh, you know, you could always make excuses up. The show's full, whatever. You, you know, you could go that route, or you could just say. It's, you know, this is, it's not, I don't think it would fit into the show. I don't think it would fit. See, I, I just don't right feel there. like I don't, it doesn't, it's not, you know, in my little vision of what I want the show to be. And that's what I'm doing here. I'm curating. So I can't put something in just because I like you, you know, yeah. the show, ha the show comes first. And so you got to worship the art God. And yeah. what do you, okay. So on that route, um, what do you think? of of this and it's when you've got your collection of artists um and you know you think okay this this person is known for doing this and then they you know you're expecting x oh, and you get banana yeah. <laughs> right right <laughs> you know like something like like Whoa! I know what you're talking that, about. Someone comes like, up and does an interpretive dance, and you're like, uh, <laughs> "I thought you were a painter, but that's a little weird." <laughs> yeah. So am am I obligated to show somebody because they've now done a piece for me and the show, and, but it comes in, it's like, well, this doesn't fit at all. Yeah. And like, I, 
like, you know, what are you, what are you doing? And like, like, I feel like the show is worse off for having this piece in it. Like, can I, is there a way to like say, dude, I'm sorry. Like this just, I'm not showing it. Um, Yeah. You know, that's what Gary would do. (laughs) You know, Gary, Gary's very like, he he does not mince words. He kind of just, you know, tells it like it is, which I kind of respect about him that he can do that because I just don't have the balls really to do it like he does it. But I don't think it's unreasonable to say, you know, this isn't, you know, thematically right. And it's totally different than anything you've done. And I don't, you know, I think it's weird that you would expect that I wouldn't notice that. You know, if it's that's not representational strange. of their body of work. It's odd. Yeah, that's an that's it's, an odd thing to yeah. do. Again, we're talking relationships. Like every day, someone wakes up, and makes you coffee, and then all of a sudden, they make you a, you know a vodka for breakfast, and you pour it in your <laughs> mouth, and you're like, fuck, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like I expected coffee. I've known you for a while. What the fuck? You yeah, know? I mean, I, I would. I mean, I would. They, I would expect that they would clue you in beforehand and let you know this is different than. If I did something like that, like if I had one of my dog paintings in a dark art show, yeah. for some reason I made the decision to put one of my paintings of my dogs in, I would absolutely check with the curator first, see if that was okay or explain yeah. myself or give some kind of explanation. But just to send something, it's it's weird. And, and, and if they did that, then they know it's weird and they're just hoping you won't call them on it, I think. They don't or maybe have- they maybe they're they're meant you know they have some kind of a mental blockage there and they don't know it's weird but either way you're the person that is in charge of this particular gathering of various artists and it's it's re- it reflects a lot of other people than just that particular well, artist so. yeah and 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 more than anything it reflects you so you have to be like you know one way to put it would be I have to be a hundred percent behind this art because it represents me as a curator and. If I'm not feeling it 100%, I can't do it because it's not, you know, it's not representing me properly. Yep. You yep. Know? Yeah, exactly. I don't think there's any way around confrontation, really. <laughs> it's just no, how, dude, it's just it's how you, yeah, it's just how no, you put it, you know course. what I mean? I just, um, yeah, I don't know. It's you know, awkward. I, just, I hate to, I'm sure there's a, you know, a blacklist amongst amongst artists of like collectors, you know, like, like, Oh man, I'd never do anything for that guy. I'll never show in his show. (laughs) I kind of doubt that. I just don't want to get blackballed. (laughs) I kind of doubt that. I I don't, I don't think there's a lot of people are like, I would never sell to that collector. It's probably much more like the collector saying I would never buy from that one artist. Right. Yeah. That's yeah, exactly. I don't want to be the artist on the blacklist. And you're not, you know, you're not like, you know, you're not an asshole or anything. It's not like, I'm sure there's you're, no, you're easy to deal with. Yeah, if they're making it hard, then that's them, not you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I don't, I wouldn't worry about getting blackballed that way. <laughs> <laughs> Blue ball, baby. But. <laughs> so wow, that's a much better note to end our podcast. Yeah. On. Yeah. We're at like one, an hour 20. This is a long one. Are you yeah, cool? Well, Are you cool with anything? You want to promote anything? Do you want to, do you want to bitch anymore? Do you want to? No, I think I'll, I'll save that for part two. You can only be so negative. And, you know. Well, and you know, Chris, as you said before we started, most people probably turned off at like the 37-minute mark. So. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so they're not going to hear all your complaining. That's why I started making all my emails from Infinity Podcasts about 34, 35 minutes long because I was like, I, I don't listen to the whole thing if it's short. Enough. I just go by what I do, and when I listen, I listen all the way to the end. So I, that's how I judge everything. I may be wrong. <laughs> anyway, sometimes the best stuff. 
That's what she said. Yeah, I was waiting. Okay, so yeah, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm good. It's, um, uh, but you know, if anybody, um, just to you know, to promote myself one more more time, um, yes. you know, if you want to check out what I do, uh, my my put a link in for you too. We'll put okay, it in. Cool. We'll yeah. hot link it in there for you. But you can say it anyway. Go ahead and say it. Okay, just for well, listeners. Monarchaudio.com. Yes, and, monarch, uh, monarch like the butterfly audio.com. Sweet. Right. Yeah, you should check it out because he's got a huge portfolio there and you can sample a bunch of it and it's just incredible. It's jaw-droppingly good. Yeah, th- and thanks so much for coming on. I was I was a really yeah, good man. really enjoyed it and that was a, it was yeah, a lot of fun. Very insightful and uh, great to talk to you here. Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah. Thanks for having me, man. This, you know, it'd only be better if we had Zellos right now. Oh man, yeah, Zello. Ah, and our, didn't you guys? Weren't you guys hustling? Weren't, weren't you guys hustling to like have a, a chip, Chris episode at some point in time? Chip Joslin and Chris Velasco. Oh right. But, yeah. So but, you, I, Chet like, has to, to buy Zello, and you have to ship it to me. Twenty four <laughs> hour. I will heat it up in my microwave. <laughs> I think we didn't um, do we didn't do the Chip Chris idea because someone else told me they had a couple collectors on and the episode went like three hours or something. So uh, I think that's why we and, and also, also having four people on at once. I'm not sure how that would work well, with also, the you know I, I especially with your connection more about about having the um um you know the the competitive nature of of collectors and and Chip and I are definitely <laughs> two competitive collectors friendly com- competition friendly competition for sure but i'm afraid i mean we even we traveled you know last year to, um to the netherlands together to see the hieronymus bosch right. exhibit um but i think it it would be cool to do a uh, a podcast with him but i can see it um you know turning into chaos and, and well, <laughs> we should try it though we should try okay. it because chip is hilarious and, and he's and super chet cool and chet and i've dumped a few episodes and we've recorded a few that for whatever there's been a variety of reasons why we haven't kept them but uh we've you know sometimes you record them and you don't use them yeah, you know? yeah. so, so okay, that, it'd still be a fun conversation either way so who the fuck cares yeah we All should right, try we could it get, we could get um we could get the guy from Down Under, Irwin, on here too. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, the connection we, issue would definitely drop there unless we all oh, did no video, just did audio. That, we, that's, could, we could definitely. I live in the Wild we West. Could talk, <laughs> we could uh, we could put him on the spot once and for all about about why did he think it was cool to eat all of Chip's snack, gluten free snacks <laughs> in Amsterdam? Put him in the hot seat. Okay, you've been <laughs> called. You've been called out, Irwin. You've been called out on oh, the air. Hey. We've got, we got three from this time. I've got a quote from Chet says, my kind of sickness. I really like that one. My kind of sickness. Yeah, that is also a good got one. Chris Velasco with art chasm, art chasm, and also art, <laughs> art beef. And yeah, so those are beef. the three from this episode that really stood out. <laughs> those are good. We got to keep using them with hashtags. But let, I, I want to say one last, I have a final thought on collecting. You brought that up about um, traveling with Chip and to, to go see the Hieronymus Bosch exhibit. And that is something I think a lot of collectors don't realize when they're getting into it. It's like a little added side bonus. So I'm going to advocate for collecting. Why it's a, another cool thing about collecting is that there is this little collector's community in the same way there's an artist community to where collectors are like sharing info. They're comparing their artists with each, with each other. There's the friendly competition. And it's really kind of a fun little thing. It's almost like, you know, there's the art, the group of, artists that are you know kind of all in with each other and sharing knowledge and info and then there's also the collectors doing the same thing and then those two things kind of overlap as well but 
I think it's yeah. I think it's super cool to uh, that to to have that. I think that's a really neat little aspect to collecting. Don't you think? Yeah, it's for like sure. a sub, it's a subculture. Yeah, totally. exactly. Yeah, and, and, you, and actually, it's like a subculture within a subculture. Yeah, subculture. <laughs> it's like really <laughs> fractal. You know what I mean? We're going down the rabbit hole now. People. I mean, you meet new, you you make friends with it. It's and it's no, cool. absolutely. I've got uh, for sure a group of of new friends that I would not have had had it not been for art. So yeah, mm-hmm. um, super cool. Yeah, I love that about it. Well, all my friends have to do with this dark art movement. I don't have any friends that don't. So, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you could go outside your uh, your circle a little bit, Mike. Yeah, no I'm kidding. I, it just did, I did just a product release on a game in Oracle that really had very little to do with the, the, our inner circle. So that's been an interesting well, experience. I, I, I br- we br- That's true. Well, what I'm saying is, is from the inside on admin, what I see is the people that are supporting it, and the vast majority of those people I do not know. Oh, that's great. That's <laughs> I mean, good. There's a good, there's that's a chunk good. of people in there I do know for sure, and my core people. But you know, there's also a lot of new faces and new names and new personalities and new people to get to know. And it's super exciting. Yeah, cool. yeah. It's great. It's great. This whole thing is kind of taking off. The whole dark art umbrella everything is like everything's under the dark art umbrella is like growing and it's so exciting and fun thank you for listening thank you chris for coming on and uh let's stop it there all right thanks for having me all right thanks chris yeah uh, like like rate review and all share and all that stuff people are still do all that yes please okay thank you you. bye (laughs)